A website is never finished, especially a B2B tech website. Welcome to Forward Slash, the podcast that explores how B2B tech companies can leverage their websites to achieve fast, efficient, predictable, and scalable growth. In each episode, I take a big issue affecting the B2B tech landscape and then pick the brains of marketing leaders around the world to learn how the issue affects the questions B2B tech marketers should be asking about their websites and how to answer them. Let's get into it. Sarah Segal, Director of Demand Generation at Full Story, which is a leading digital experience platform, and I'll have her clarify exactly what that means, uh, but also a mentor at the Women in Revenue organization, which empowers women in B2B sales and marketing through education and action. Thank you so much for joining me, Sarah. How are you? I am wonderful. And thanks, Adam, for having me. Really excited to, to dive in and chat all things B2B marketing with you. As am I. Really excited for this also. Thank you so much for joining. Obviously, a good place to start is, is just want to learn a little bit about you and, and full story. We're obviously going to be talking about website strategy a little bit later on. But yeah. first, I'm really curious about uh, women in revenue. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah. And I will share women in revenue if for anyone out there, um, female, male, non-binary, whatever, definitely check it out if you're not familiar with it. I came across this a couple of years ago. It's probably been about three to four years now. And mm -hmm. it's a great organization but led by amazing women who are really out there to empower women uh, and not just behind the scenes, but in front with sponsorship, uh, mentorship, really getting like helping hone in different skills. Uh, I like on the mentorship side of it, I got involved uh, pretty seamlessly. It's a great, they have a great Slack channel and lots of other resources, but through Slack alone have built a, uh, a mentorship program and was really leaning into, Hey, how do I, you know, kind of get out of my own head a little bit. And at the time was a little bit stuck in, in where I was in my career and just start to help others out and have a different refreshed view on what are we doing in marketing? What does it mean to be a leader? How do you get to the next step? So have done a couple of rounds with women in uh, revenue for the mentorship side of the program. I'll also add, it's not on my LinkedIn profile and it's a little bit more recent, but if you're aware of the demand community that's mm. been um, set up by the metadata team, it also has a mentorship program involved in I just finished a round of mentoring with that program. And it's just, there's, I, I love that there's so many opportunities now in B2B and marketing and tech for connecting people through these different communities and mm -hmm. where I can help out. I, I love to. Awesome. Thank you for taking me through that. There's been an obvious shift towards revenue here, and I'm sure it will, it'll be infused in, in this conversation uh, in, in some capacity, the whole understanding that, that we're not here to generate MQLs, but it's, it's really pipeline and, and, and revenue and, and really excited to, to learn about how you're thinking about that. So that being said, uh, can you, you know, I, I, in a very small amount of time, I, I explained what full story is, but can you give like the full, I guess the full story, what it is, who it's for and why they should care about it? That's my favorite cliche about full story. I love <laughs> it. It provides the full story, but that's exactly what it does. So position ourselves as a leader in digital experience intelligence. And uh, some roles that might be a little bit more familiar with that are product and engineering, but really DXI, which is the acronym for it, is for almost any role that's touching any part of the customer journey. So that can be 
those typical roles, product and engineering, but also sales, marketing, customer su success, customer su support, a lot of those different roles. Um, and what Full Story does is I like to think of it as like the qualitative and the quantitative side of analytics being married together and having like a super baby because it is like one of the best, um, a little bit biased, but it's just one of the most unique tools to be able to not just use traditional analytics as I have kind of my marketing scope one, right? And being able to use traditional quantitative analytics and data, but being able to pair that with things like session replay and being able to get super granular to understand what people are doing on your site or in your product, in your mobile app. Uh, that's what Full Story really gives teams the ability to do. So every event, um, bubbling up errors, being able to see your customer funnels in unique ways and really understand and answer or bubble up questions that oftentimes traditional analytics, you you have to instrument first, right? You have to instrument to say, okay, I want to solve this question rather than what is the question or the problem that hmm. we need to solve. Full Story helps really deliver that and improves your customer experience really along the way. Uh, awesome. Thanks for taking me through that. What I'm really curious about is just how you're thinking about demand gener generation at Full Story. That's obviously going to be the meat of this discussion. But I'd like to frame my first question um, with uh, kind of like just like the, the current reality and state of, of B2, the, the B2B SaaS landscape, right? This has been my uh, tee-up question uh, with, with previous guests, and it's led to some pretty um, pretty insightful answers. But, you know, current state of B2B tech or SaaS, right? It's hyper-competitive, especially if you're in, um, you know, the, the MarTech or sales tech uh, industries, shrinking markets, longer sales cycles, bigger buyer groups, um, you know, hard, hard fought deals. And behind all of it is this, this, you know, understanding of dark social, dark funnel, um, depending on what business you're in, what stage, what industry, it's always going to be a little bit different, but there's this understanding that most of the journey, the buyer journey is happening behind the scenes. So I want to tee you up here because uh, you know I want to make sure that we're covering the most pressing things on your mind. Uh, but given this economic reality, what are the biggest issues, misunderstandings, misconceptions? You know, let's go with like maybe the top two or three with the way that B two B tech or SaaS companies have been practicing demand generation. Just curious what your thoughts are there. Yeah, I I have two really that I've seen more often and trying to kind of proactively push against, at least within my own team. The first one is that demand gen being seen as this team, the demand gen team. You know, I think traditionally demand gen team has been responsible for whatever those demand gen metrics are. Maybe a couple of years ago, it was leads and middle funnel things. Now it's way more on the revenue or qualified pipe side. But it's traditionally that team who's responsible for it, who's standing up the campaigns, who's running the the like anything with sales, looking at the data and demand gen is, is really a cross team function, mm -hmm. definitely across all of marketing, but even across other functions as well, especially sales and even more so customer success and customer experience nowadays. Um, and I think that's, I think that's a it's a tough hill to climb because you're having to put something else on these other teams plates that mm -hmm. wasn't there before, but that's the only way to get the business to move forward. That's in my opinion. Like it's really the only way, um, even if you just focus it in on marketing, you have all these different roles within marketing brand and web and digital marketing, all of them. But if they're not all focused on 
what marketing is supposed to produce, which is revenue, right? And be able to create the brand and create revenue from that, then it gets really tough. And Demandant almost like runs in a silo of doing one thing when a lot of the other teams are like, we're almost having like push and pull and beg for other teams to get involved with it to get those outcomes that we need. So that's definitely, that's my first one. That's, that's a really like the one that I see the most that I've seen most common across other teams that I've been on as well. Uh, and that's a big one. Um, and I, I'd like to unpack it. Uh, I, I, I think I'm more curious about the second one, if there, or, or should we unpack? Yeah, I mean, the second one, I think the second one is more, not necessarily cliche, but I, I see it a lot, but it's true. It's the idea of like, Hey, there's, you see it all over LinkedIn. It's like, we can't do the same thing we were doing two years ago. You can't do the same thing you're doing five years ago. And what I kind of find frustrating in that both what I've been a part of, what I've seen is there's a difference in saying that and shifting to do it because right. actually changing what, you're been, what you've been doing for years from an org standpoint for process, budget, how you're going to show the KPIs, that is really tough, especially for B2B tech where um, you may be like marketing teams may be closer to the C-suite and may be closer to finance and more responsible for revenue. So yes, you like, you can't do the same things, but you have, there's a lot of work to make that change to look at, you know, no forms, or we're going to go stage page approach. Like there's a lot of those great ideas. There's a lot of work and a lot of shit you got to get done to mm -hmm. actually make it happen. Um, so that's, that's the other one. It's like, I think there's a lot, oftentimes a lot of talk in B2B tech, but not a lot of the nitty gritty and okay, you say that, but what do you need to get done to do it? Right. right. The, 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 the actionable uh, side yeah. is, is missing, especially in, in, in LinkedIn. Let's dive into the alignment uh, aspect of it. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, all go to market teams, marketing, sales, product, customer success. Uh, the, the ideal is that everybody's walking in lockstep in the same direction, easier said than done, especially if you're like a large company. So how, how are you making sure that your team stays on top of like those really important customer insights and just staying aligned with uh, with the other teams? Is it is it an agile process that you guys are using or what does that look like? No, and like being very transparent, we're not full. I think there's always like the next phase, right? There's always the ideal state. And when you get there, you have the next ideal state. I've been Fair. here, cool story, we've been here about two years and there's been a lot of growth where we're working a lot closer with sales, having more conversations with partner ops and customer teams and um, even our customer marketing and like international teams. But getting that alignment is still really tough. But though where we've got, we found success is identifying like some type of goal in whatever cadence for us, we have quarterly goals, right? We have quarterly OKRs and being able to start identify a couple of those that we can both like multiple teams can agree upon and say, okay, yes, we're going to push this. Yes, we're going to do this type of ABM play this quarter. Sales is bought in. The ops teams are bought in because there's work that has to be done behind the scenes. So I think having some type of mutual goal that's on paper that you can list to say, yep, we are saying we're going to help be responsible for this um, helps out because, and even if that happens, we all know it. A million other things usually come up too, but it mm -hmm. does give a good way to, rather than almost like badgering other teams, which I think Demand Gen is often the leader of a lot of these initiatives because we are so close to the revenue piece of the pie. But rather than badgering, it goes back to be able to say, okay, we agreed upon this. 
what's the next step that we need to get done um, and who needs to be involved in that and how committed are we to get that done? Gotcha. Um, yeah, thanks for taking me through that. What leading indicators are you looking for that, you know, that that can kind of shine light on on whether you're making progress on those uh, those goals and objectives? Yeah, we've actually, so the last two quarters, we've shifted some of the ways we look at our middle, middle funnel and bottom funnel success. So we've always had our top of funnel, AQLs, MQLs, and all the different stages down to close one pipe. So we track mm. each of those metrics, but what's shifted to rather than looking at traditionally top of funnel as leading indicators, we're looking at the segmentations of what's coming in a top of funnel and how that's converting across the funnel. And by segmentations, we've started this by looking very simply at things like function or industry um, that are kind of high level, more of your like standard segmentations but also getting down into, we use Sixth Sense and being able to understand from an intent data perspective, what is the, um, the buying stage of the accounts that we're bringing in? What are the, um, the Sixth Sense, they call them like the grade, right? How, uh, what's the quality of the leads that we're bringing in? And it helps in twofold. One, we're able to see is what we're bringing in quality, not just the quantity that is like easy to look at, but how are we, and it takes more time to get that segmentation data in there, but it's valuable because we're able to understand like what channels, what programs are driving the right things. But it also for, this kind of goes derails a little bit, but it helps with identifying and validating our intent data model. Because if we see that, hey, all of these A grade leads are converting higher across the funnel from, you know, hand raised through closed one compared to B or C grade leads or vice versa, it gives us this way to validate, yes, this is working, or do we need to go to our team to say like, hey, something's off, you know, these great, these leads that are marked as not a good fit are actually converting, like what's happening, what's going on with our model. So um, that's, I think that's one of the biggest value adds to really be able to see a leading indicator outside of just a number piece and like what's, mm -hmm. you know, in our BI dashboards is what, like, what's the actual quality of those leads and the, the opportunities coming through. Curious uh, if you'd be able to provide a couple of examples just to make it a little bit more tangible. Can we talk about the plays that you're seeing that are more successful? Yeah. So um, I'll say this past quarter, we, well, really the last two quarters, it's shifted a lot from what we saw a year ago. Because a year ago, we were doing a lot of big field event or a lot of big trade shows that were working. Um, we had a lot of paid social that was working pretty mm -hmm. well. And I think, the, as we know, the market shifted, the economy shifted, even our internal kind of how we're going to market shifted. So we've should had to shift really last quarter and we work on fiscal quarters, but last quarter was a lot of work. Okay, what are we going to do to kick off the new year? And this past quarter, we tried a lot of new things. Some worked and some didn't. Mm -hmm. A couple of things that I've noticed that have outperformed what we expected. One is chat. So kind of along the lines of like, hey, how are you improving your website? How's your website working? We implemented a new chat tool, Qualified, and the, the integration, it's not just the tool that works better, it's the integration and being able to ensure we have the right AE, the right SDR that's talking to the person. And we've already seen in a quarter, in less than a quarter of it being um, run over like close to a half a million in qualified pipe um, wow. that's attributable to that tool. So 
And that's uh, sorry to interrupt. Is oh, yeah. that um, connected to the? Is that like a, a free trial connected to the product? If they if they're in the product and they come on the website, the chatbot like notifies them of something, or how how does that experience work? So it, it works a couple of different ways. We have segmentations built out in Salesforce of different audiences. So our target account list, if it's a customer, if gotcha. it's um, you know particular like you know, if they fit within an ABM campaign and they come to the website and it gets the, get that experience that cool. time, as long as someone's in the, like their associated rep, who have, whether it's an AE or SDR is in there, it will be a live conversation. If not, it's a bot. But what I've seen is like, looking through a lot of those conversations. What's interesting is that when people are ready to buy, when they're ready to talk, you've got to be there. We traditionally relied on demo forms and contact us forms and then they come in and the AE or SDR goes and reaches out they try to schedule a meeting but we've been able to prove to sales hey this is actually worth us investing the time and investing the resources to train because we've had multiple conversations you can look at the script and someone's like I don't want to talk right now we need to talk by tomorrow because we have like budget, our budget call is by then. So it just like there's urgency. And I think the ability for marketers to capitalize on urgency, whether that's on your site or off is critical. And like a big flag that we've learned from this quarter that we're going to be taking into the rest of the year. I, I love the chat, but I want to lean into this a little bit yeah. more. Um, can you, can you tell me about like how that came about? It was obviously trying to solve a problem, but it, I'm assuming it was an iterative process. You probably started pretty simple and it's been kind of expanding that offering yep. since, or just kind of curious about what that looks like. Yeah. So a little bit of background, we, we changed our chatbot at the beginning of the year in our internal process. It's a lot to change out tech. Like there's a, you better have a good business case and a good reason. And we did our previous usage was pretty low there was not a lot of alignment when the previous tool, I wasn't there at the time, was brought on. So sales wasn't really as bought in with it and it was expensive. So we, when we mm. switched over, I think one of the, a big opportunity with any type of like B2B marketer who has touching any tech is understanding how your counterparts who are going to be using as well, like how do you get them bought in? Like how do you become a seller to sellers? And that was a big piece of this being successful is getting them bought in. But yeah, so we started with the original goal was just to start pretty simply. We'd only have a few people in there to pilot it. What happened is our inter our sales org changed. So no longer were we, um, the way we had originally set it up was not going to work for our new sales org structure. Um, and the qualified team was amazing. They, they helped us out through that. But we ended up going from what was supposed to be 15 users to about 50 users in two weeks. Wow. And that it was, it was a lot to manage. Uh, but with that, we were able to see that like those live conversations outperformed anything that was just bot related. Right. And um, I think that was, we iterated quickly on it, but it was being able, I think the biggest value out of what was, um, like really what was successful with it was that partnership with sales and being able to ensure whoever's going to be in here in this tool, like, yes, it's a demand gen tool. Yes, demand gen is activating it, but we have to have our sales partnerships or whoever else, you know, if we expand this support one day, they need to be fully bought in to, to get this to work correctly. Uh, and that's a perfect example of, of uh, just alignment between go-to-market yeah. teams. Um, uh, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for, for taking me through that. I think that's a perfect segue into 
um, what I'd like to talk about next. And it's just like website strategy in general. I think it would be difficult to find a B2B SaaS marketer who would disagree with the statement, the website's your most important marketing asset. Every situation is different, but I think, I think that's a pretty safe statement. And I, th I think for the most part, it's, uh, the website has been more of the demand capture, right? But there's, there is obviously demand uh, creation role that the website can play. So where does the website actually fall into your purview, given your role? Are you a part of these website strategy discussions? Are you sourced as, a, as an advisor of some kind? I'm just curious what that looks like. Yeah, so I'll share that every org that I've been at, the website, the web team, where the website lives has been different. And I think sure. that on its own can always be a lot to try to navigate and figure out like, hey, how do you... Uh, how do you still how how do you still become a influencer if you're not directly owning the website, right? Especially mm -hmm. that it impacts your own results. But um, at Full Story, we have our web team. They don't sit under demand gen, but they sit uh, across under brand. And we were move really really fast. Like where I think a lot of orgs can understand this, but we move really fast, and a lot of things get done great, and some things kind of get like, oh shoot, we forgot about that while we sure. were running a hundred miles per hour. Um, and one of those things was, hey, how, we know that the web team, who's amazing at making our website look great and optimizing it for the speed and a lot of the technical like SEO um, and the content, and working closely with our product teams is there, but there was a miss and an opportunity, really a gap for it. it's like, hey, how much of our website, like how do we make sure it's the most converting tool and it's generating demand, right? Not, not just capturing, but there's some level of demand generation. I'd almost go to say that our website holistically has almost been a little bit more demand gen focus in terms of content and getting the right experience, having interactive demos on the site compared to demand capture, which is form completions. How are we getting, like, how are, how are we looking at the specific CRO metrics? Um, so over the last, really this past quarter, we've, I've, my, the, the performance side of my team has dove in a lot more uh, to work with that team. And it's been great. It's been identified as like a gap of, hey, like, how do we work together more? And now we've implemented a metrics council. So every month, each team is able to come together and work on I'd be able to show like data together rather than doing it in silos, which was done before and start having a little bit of cross team accountability for ultimately revenue for like, which our website is the driver of, right? Like our, mm -hmm. on the demand gen side, um, you had asked about like offers, things that we do, a big one are demos, right? Like our get our demo offer is one of the biggest and most high, highest converting. Obviously people are raising their hands. There's a lot of stuff they do before that, but um, even just to get them to a demo page, we want to ensure that that's the most seamless experience. So being able to just partner with those teams a little bit more has been already in like one quarter has been helpful, but it's still like, there's still so much work to be done. But um, I think one of the lessons for, for my team and really what I've seen is like, there's sometimes times that you have to step in a little bit into other roles that maybe aren't in your like in your normal job description, but that's like, that's kind of the, the way you work as a B2B SaaS marketer in tech, right? You have to do other roles and um, step in to be able to like start bridging gaps when you identify them rather than saying like, oh, that's not my job. I'm not going to get it done. Um, yeah, that, that makes 
total sense. Something that came to mind when you were talking through that, uh, I had the head of uh, ABM at Gong, her name is Karina Owens, on uh, a couple episodes ago. And she said it uh, because she also needs to interface with every go-to-market team in order to do her, so her team can do their job well, uh, being on the ABM team. And the way she said it was that in order for her to get her job done, she needs to know how to get the other team's job done, if you will. So it kind of goes to like those shared KPIs, those shared goals. It just goes to show how important that is. And it's almost like easier conversations with those go-to-market teams when you have those shared goals, because that doesn't feel like you're stepping on other people's toes. It doesn't feel like, you know, you're just kind of spinning your wheels. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, you mentioned interactive demos. Did I hear interactive demos? Yes. Can you tell me more about that? What your, what your plans are for that? Yeah, we, so about six months ago, maybe a little over six months ago, we started rolling out kind of behind the scenes a little bit, interactive demos and some initial, like, pretty good success, at least from the engagement side. We're still working a little bit on, hey, how do we look at this from uh, a different touch point of view? You know, oftentimes this isn't the first touch point. Sometimes it's a last, sometimes not. But looking at that, like using full story to look at the engagement metrics, they're really high. And Hmm. we're looking to try to build those out more in different touch points across our journeys and across our different campaigns and build those out really industry specific to start seeing, Hey, are there different, um, you know, like full story is an amazing product and there's a lot to it. So the way I would use it is going to be different than a product marketer compared to someone who's at a retail, you know, company. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to, to build it out a little bit more, but get people in front of the product without them having to, um, do all the work to do a trial, which is, you know, there, there's a lot of work behind doing a trial as well. Totally. There's so much that you're saying that I love. I do like the idea of interactive demos. One thing that uh, came to mind is, do you see a benefit to creating interactive demos for different stakeholders in a buyer group? If this is like an enterprise or ABM play, where it's like, maybe the CMO is like too busy and they can't sit down on a free trial. Well, here's a free, here's an interactive demo for them to, or on reporting or something like that. Does that make sense? It does. I, my take on that is that that's really going to depend on the type of like the, what the product is that you're demoing sure. and who those stakeholders are. Like I'll totally. get, and this is just my own personal opinion. Product may not like sale this way, <laughs> product, but um, I wouldn't see a CMO getting in every day, day in and day out for our tool. What I would see them wanting to know is are the teams that are going to use it and it's going to benefit from it, are they going to get in and get out of it every day, right? And mm-hmm. almost having that feedback from those teams to verify, yes, this is a good investment that's going to provide some ROI compared to really getting in the data and likely almost having even more questions afterwards. So I, I'm sure there are some products that are like that, that it would make sense for for different roles, but I think that's really that's really important for product teams and sales to collaborate closely to understand, hey, if we're going to do this, what's the need? What's the expected outcome um, of building that out for different roles and within different teams? Cool. Makes sense. What's your take on the current state of website strategy? Uh, you know, and maybe if I can like tee you up here for like some examples, is it like is it better positioned in messaging? Is it the need for more thought leadership? Is it actionable content and resources? Or is it better team structure? Is it better integrated processes? If I were looking at to like marketing in general and B2B SaaS in general, like not the funnest answer, but it really depends. And I think it depends on your audience. Like mm-hmm. we're 
like to toot Fool Stories horn a little bit, we do a really good job of understanding like who are the different audiences that we have and how does that the content of our website, the front end of the website reflect that. Um, so we're, we're pretty good on that. Some teams may not be. So I think it's important for the demand gen team, the marketing team overall, and whoever needs to lead that conversation to really take a step to say like, Yes, it's very, it's very kind of elementary, but who is our audience and what do they want out of our site? Because some people may need to put an interactive demo button in the first page. Others, it's content. Mm. Others, you know, it just really depends on like what engages your audience. Um, and I think a good tactical way to see that we actually just did that our customer marketing team did this is um, ask your customers. We did a mm-hmm. survey and one of the questions, which I know sometimes there can be pushback where it's an afterthought, but it's like, what kind of content do you look at? What, where are your favorite channels? Like, where do you get your details from? And getting that, that qualitative information from your customers, if there are trends you see in that or commonalities, that can inform your website very easily, you know, without you having to do a lot of like internal back and forth of about 50 different opinions of what your headline should be. Yeah, it's pretty clear that you guys are listening to your customers. I was on your website um, this morning, just like preparing for this call. And I, I love I love the content that you have on there. Um, you know, I obviously have your, your blog, right? That's just a kind of like table stakes, but you've got a community section, a help center, a learn full story section, API resources, a deep dive section, which is pretty awesome um, from, from just like an analytics standpoint. And then obviously customer stories, dense, detailed, awesome content. Are you using any of this in your demand generation campaigns of any kind, whether it's like ads, retargeting ads, you know, nurture, nurture, uh, sequences. Curious about that. Oh yeah. All over the place. A lot of that content is all over the place. And one of the things that we're trying to do uh, this upcoming quarter, actually a little initiative to give a, a sneak peek is making it more bionic. Like, so how do we bionically connect? Like our community team is different than our customer support team, than our customer success, than the teams who contribute to the blog. Uh, then my teams who are marketing ops, performance marketing, who are like kind of driving the the back end of marketing and getting all that content out there and really, you know, pushing the the stakes when it comes to content distribution. So we have it in almost, um, we have a pretty good ad hoc process now where it's like, hey, this is a new blog. Yep. Let's add it into our nurture streams. Or um, if it's, you know, specific to this industry, let's add it into the retargeting, the always on retargeting campaigns for that. What we're hoping to do is almost make it where it's automatic of, is there a way to flag it internally that, yep, this belongs in this nurture program and belongs globally or regionally. It makes sense for this audience, for this campaign and automate those workflows. So we get that content out to our audiences faster because they're, I mean, there's so much goodness. And, and I'd say the other side of that is we're focusing a lot more on customers, which I think everyone in B2B is doing right now, right? How do you give love to your customer base and ensure they're not leaving you um, and they mm-hmm. feel good about what you're doing? And traditionally, a lot of the customer facing things have only been that, right? We've had this wall that customer prospect. We're seeing, we've, we start early on, but we're seeing a lot of things that can really be made for both with just little bits of tweaking, right? Like Mm -hmm. about three or four months ago, I did a a webinar for our customers. That's like, hey, how do you use full story dashboards as a marketer? And that was customer focused. 
but we're hoping to be able to actually transition that change up a little bit of it, um, but we can make that uh, prospect focus for, as you're a marketer, how would you use full story? You don't even have to be in the platform immediately. It's just more of that like, kind of bottom of funnel product um, and feature benefit sh showcase. So um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a, we have a lot of great content. I just want to push this. It's like, let's get it out. Ideally in a perfect world, there would be like one button we could push and it would go out to all the different distribution channels we have. I'll, uh, I'll start working on that solution right yeah. away. I'll let you know when it's- uh... Chat GPT <laughs> that for me. <laughs> cool too. Um, I, I completely agree with you. I think the from where I'm sitting, um, I think the biggest weakness for, for websites, pretty much just in general, is the fact that it's the same experience for the most part for the prospect and the customer. Yeah. Like we should be having completely different conversations with the customer post sales. It should be like, you know, like if we want to be ideal about this, like you said, the website would just change for them AI. Like perhaps they would just like help us create like a, a, a personalized experience. Like that's like years down the road, obviously, but we can still have that conversation now and think about like, how can we provide content that's going to help our customers think about better ways to use Right. And it goes beyond uh, uh, success stories, I think. And it's yeah, more so like sure. experience. experience. Based. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's experience. I mean, this is a very tiny tactical piece, but um, we're even looking at for our chat bot. OK, how do we use our first party and zero party data to change the conversation at a minimum for someone that we know is a customer without having to rely on third party cookies? Because oftentimes we don't know, like, or it's a, a guess. So how can we use data that we have in our systems to change the experience for someone we know as a customer? And then even like kind of beyond that, start personalizing based off of what is their role? What's their user type? Are they admin in our tool or are they a plain user? Like just they're being able, I think there's so much opportunity with that type of data, but it's figuring out, okay, we have a hundred things on our plate. Where does this land <laughs> in, the, in the priority list? It quickly becomes overwhelming to think about when you when you really start to understand the data that you have at your fingertips and how the website can can use it uh, beneficially. So uh, the, the the last part about this, you have all that th those different uh, types of content, right? Blog through to customer stories, you know, the, the API resources documentation. I think. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think marketers, we do like to get into the details and the weeds a little bit too much, and we kind of lose the side of the forest from the trees. Uh, I think we try to put too much um, weight into individual touch points, like a blog and try to draw that to revenue. Um, I think it's more so like it needs to be viewed holistically. Like this was part of a journey and, and journey, you know, different yeah. journeys to revenue. Like it's always going to be different. Um, what are you seeing from that regard? Like which resources or, or how is it playing out as far as those journeys? And then how do you know which resources that you need to lean into a little bit more, um, even if it's just playing kind of like that indirect like assistance role towards revenue. Does that question make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, and I, I could go really long with this, but I'm going to try to keep it very specific. <laughs> you don't use a multi-touch uh, approach right now. And I push against it every time it's brought up to buy a multi-touch tool because I'm like, there's no, as long, if I have a say in it, no, because I don't think all, I, you're going to get the same answers or it's going to validate something that like we can already find out for the most part. That hmm. said, I do think being able to understand what those touches are and where there's commonalities across different industries or different types of deals, different account tiers is important. Um, not necessarily in a way of, okay, let's 
pinpoint it to these 50 touches, but more so what kind of engagements are happening. And I we've been leaning a little bit more. So we use SixSense. And one of my favorite parts of SixSense tool is that in their tool itself, you can, you're able to understand, um, you can create a segment of an audience and say, okay, what are all the different um, like kind of standard types of engagement, sales touches, marketing touches, events that happen with this cohort, right? And I mm. think that, I think often, like I totally agree that oftentimes as marketers, we want to get really specific and we want to know this, what was the fifth touch point that led <laughs> to this? And it's like, that doesn't really, if you take a step back, that doesn't matter. It matters in, can we find some type of common theme across what's working or common theme across of what's not working and pull and adjust that lever to make a, like to scale our impact versus trying to do this account by account or lead by lead, however that is. So um, we're kind of trying to approach it a little bit more on like the qualitative side of like understanding what particular, if we have specific segments or cohorts of accounts opportunities that we're converting and seeing like, what are the common themes of the type of engagement? Is there a lot of sales outreach? Is there a little bit? Is there, are, are they engaging in our field events or webinars? What is that? So mm-hmm. rather than um, not really a one specific journey, it's just more like, let's look at the cohort. We don't have time to look at every single account without, you know, we need the GSD. Totally. Beautifully said. Sarah, this has been great. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. A lot of the stuff, I just kind of been like a little voice chirp in the back of my mind. And, and, and thank you for, for validating a lot of this stuff for me. This was very uh, educational and, and there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that I'm going to be taking back to, to WebStacks. Um, also, just thanks for your support. This is a new podcast. So I uh, was really excited that, uh, that you were willing to come on. So thank you so much. This has Absolutely. been great. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, it's a great conversation and um, keep doing it. I think there's a lot of opportunity for like, there's a, a, a revitalization of how are we thinking about our website and how are we optimizing that? I think what you guys are doing at WebStocks really helps with that. So um, thanks again for having me.